Good morning. You're listening to KBBI AM 890 in Homer and K201AO on 88.1 FM in Seward. Welcome to Coffee Table. I'm your host, Hope McKenney, and this we're going to discuss school safety this morning with Police Chief Mark Robel and Lieutenant Ryan Browning from the Homer Police Department, as well as Kenai Peninsula Borough School District Superintendent Clayton Holland and Homer High School Principal Doug Wislowski. If you have any questions, feel free to call in at 907-235-7721 or email me at hope at kbbi.org. All right, well, good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining me. Um, I would just want to dive right in because we have a lot to talk about. So we decided to host this coffee table on school safety because back in early October, Homer area schools were under what was deemed a soft lockdown following the threat of a school shooting on TikTok, according to the police. So let's start by going over what happened there. Um, Chief Robel or Lieutenant Browning, would one of you like to start? Yeah, so we got a call from uh, one of the FBI agents in Anchorage um, letting us know that they'd gotten a tip uh, from somebody who was watching TikTok on a live video feed. Um, and there was a student um, who was identified making some, um, not totally specific, but some specific enough threats um, to cause a, a school shooting uh, and said they were gonna be the next Jeffrey Dahmer uh, we were able to determine what school district that student was in. Uh, we notified the district and had a conversation about um, a soft lockdown um, until we were able to um, get eyes on the student. The, they live in the trooper territory and troopers were on the way to go contact the, the young person. And so um, we talked about a soft lockdown until we were able to actually make contact with that person and, and go from there. And so it, it seemed like there was kind of a disconnect or a miscommunication between the police and the district or between the district and parents. It seemed like schools were communicating to parents that the TikTok threat wasn't credible, but it seemed like you all at the police department thought that it was credible and arrested the kid. Um, can we talk a little bit about that? I don't know who would like to start. Uh, so in our communication with the school district directly, there was no miscommunication. Uh, we were talking with Carrie Dendron uh, regularly, uh, giving updates. And so where that came from, I don't know. Um, but between the police department and the school district itself, uh, everything was, was very clear and they were up to speed as what was going on. It was definitely a threat uh, that we took very seriously. We just weren't sure where that student was that morning. Yeah, and I can, you know, talk to that a little bit. Uh, I think maybe where the miscommunication was is that at a certain time they say there's no longer a threat, and therefore we take off the soft um, lockdown. Okay. And so maybe there was some miscommunication there. I mean, because once once there's not mm -hmm. a threat, then obviously we we go back to business as normal. Um, and then when we have them, there is there there is a, a question about how you communicate that with that. We had some conversation about should we send a robocall home? Should we email? you know, what, what's the best way to do that? And we decided that because, you know, the threat was taken care of, that a uh, email would be appropriate, so. And yeah. This is Clayton Holland, the superintendent. Yeah, I would say the communication from the Homer Police Department was excellent, timely, spot on, and uh, they were handling it 
close at the same time, you know, while we were communicating. I mean, they were there handling that situation. And so I think there was some desire from you know, families for some more information um, when that happened. But we were in touch with our schools right away um, from, you know, Anchor Point out east, and uh, they responded appropriately and did their job. And then uh, the police were on it right away. So there was a very small gap actually between um, when we were notified and, and when they took action, we were able to contact that individual. And, and you know, I, I mentioned this word soft lockdown, and I talked to Lieutenant Browning a little bit about this, but what is a soft lockdown? And um, how do we, I guess, distinguish that between a hard lockdown? I, I think the, the difference with that one is, is that if we know that there's an actual threat and we have lockdown, like there's somebody we know with a gun in the, in the community, you know, a lot of times it's not even against... Uh, schools, then you would lock things down, all the doors would be locked. A soft lockdown is, is there may or may not be a threat. You know, like for us, we had students coming in. We were, this was happening during the time that, uh, you know, we have, you know, 300 and 400 people walking in, so we can't, like, lock the building and lock 100 kids out of the building. So what we do is that we let all staff know uh, what's going on. We knew who this individual was. We had uh, three people at the doors. So every other door was locked in the building, except for the front doors. We had three adults at the front doors. We had two adults outside as people were coming in. And then obviously, if we were to recognize this person, then we would take uh, take action. All students were to stay in the building. It's, it's kind of a normal schedule, but nobody leaves the building. Uh, and we have those adults at all the doors ready to go. So. Yeah, I, I mean, have we had these types of threats at the district before, or was this the first time? This is Clayton, I'll, I'll jump in on that. So yeah, that, um, just going back to even what Doug said there, that soft lockdown, the other word we use is stay put, but it's making sure our exterior doors are all completely locked. So we are down to single entry access to our buildings. Our elementary schools, no problem, because we're locked all the time. The other ones are to go lock that door, um, be aware, we also sent pictures of this individual to all the schools so they would know what this person looked like. Um, but have we had threats like this before? We, we have. We've had, um, you know, Instagram, social media stuff that has come across our, our radar over the years. And, um, and so we do deal with that, I wouldn't say a regular basis, but, you know, a couple times a year something comes across. I, I don't recall one coming from the FBI like this before. So in a lot of ways, it's and maybe the uh, Lieutenant Browning or Chief Robel can remember that. But um, and, and we have had that. But you know, it's it's good to know they're watching. They have a monitoring system in place for this kind of thing, and it and it worked. Yeah, and and we're going to talk a little bit more about response a little later in the hour. But kind of continuing from the school perspective. What is it like for you all, principal of Homer High School, superintendent of the entire district? What goes through your mind, I guess, when deciding what to do in a situation like this? Are you taking all direction from the Homer Police Department and FBI? Uh, what, what's happening there on the ground? Well, I think... You, know, you want me to jump in first? Yeah, I was going to say, you, you <laughs> could do your part and I, I could do oh. my school part. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. It goes through our mind. I think the first, you know, the first thing is for me, there's this, this gap because there's a communication with the outside the district 
that needs to happen. But the primary focus for us is what's happening in our building at that time. And there's no, never gonna be a bone about it, right? That's our priority. So if there's a gap um, in this world we live in too, right? It's, it's going to parents sometimes as fast as we're getting it to our schools, right? There's, because of social media, because of what's happening. So and people want answers right away. Our priority is what's happening in the building and it's always gonna be that way. So our contact is first with those principals, make them aware. Um, it's also make sure we have truthful information, right? Before we communicate anything out, we have to know, you know, what the best for our ability, what's really happening. Um, we had an instance last year where we had a phone call come into a school um, over the weekend, or is it a delay before it was heard, a threat against the school. And, um, you know, before we were putting stuff out, we wanted to make sure we had the accurate information, but man, it went like wildfire on social media. Um, the stories involved, you wouldn't believe, uh, you know, a body in the woods, or they're taking stories from different parts of Alaska and bringing it down here. So our communication outside needs to be accurate to the best of our ability. And when we're talking about communication with parents and anybody outside and internally, um, you know, we're focused on the school first, you know, what action needs to be taken, lock the doors, um, whether it's a full lockdown or, or a, a state put or soft lockdown. I don't know if I answered that, Hope. Yeah, thank you. And Doug. Uh... Then, then on our level, as soon as we get something, it's like, you know, it, it's drop everything make sure it's safe you know in this case we have lots of people coming in so how do we make sure that the, the students who are coming to school are safe as they're coming in um, you know a lot of that is training and letting everybody know what to do you know I sent an email out told a couple adults and by the time I walked out of the office I had four adults uh, four teachers who didn't have preps and other staff members ready to help out okay what do we do so you know we send people around make sure check all the doors and that's what they're they were doing the whole time they were just walking around making sure that those doors were not opened up um, we had three people in the in the front area uh, making sure who well knew who this individual was making sure that they weren't there uh, and they also knew that when they saw them obviously you don't go and you know try to uh, intervene with this person but you get everybody safe lock the doors uh, you know then at that point we would go into uh, you know, a full-on Alice drill, but obviously that didn't happen. But, um, you know, again, it's just, okay, here's here's the issue. We got to keep paper safe. How do we do that? I have a really good, dedicated staff. You know, I ask them to do it. They don't they don't question, they they do it. And uh, I felt very confident that, that we would be uh, fine, especially with the students walking in. So again, two people, two adults out, outdoors, all had radios, phones, okay. three people right inside the door person walking around I mean you know um, I was uh, very proud of our staff and how they um, responded well thank you and, and I think this is a question kind of directed at law enforcement but my understanding is that the 16 year old was arrested and taken to the Kenai Peninsula youth facility in Kenai where are we at in this case so that's a uh Actually, the troopers uh, in the Kenai Juvenile Youth Facility would have that information. Um, our only involvement was knowing that um, the schools are in our area, um, notifying them, and then taking the appropriate action. So everything outside of that uh, would be the troopers and not a case that we're following. Okay. 
And so uh, just to recap, um, you are tuned to Coffee Table. I'm your host, Hope McKenney. I'm here this morning to discuss school state safety with Police Chief Mark Robel and Lieutenant Ryan Browning from the Homer Police Department, as well as Kenai Peninsula Borough School District Superintendent Clayton Holland and Homer High Principal Doug Waslowski. If you have any questions, feel free to call 907-235-7721 or email me at hope at kbbi.org. And I want to talk a bit about just school preparedness. As you all talked about, we've received threats like this in the past. This just happened in early October. Is the district prepared for these threats? What is the protocol that is in place when things like this do happen? Um, Clayton, would you like to start? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll take that. I mean, are we prepared? You know, we we prepared. I think, you know, I always have to question how prepared can be for the, the actuality of something like this happening. Um, I think that takes a whole different level, but we do um, what we can to prep for this. So I'll talk about a couple of things, some internal processes that we have, and then uh, what to do, you know, how we approach if there's actually an active uh, threat in our building. So internally, we have a behavior threat assessment process that um, we've developed a few years back now, we had the um, first director of the Colorado School Safety Institute, if I recall the name correctly, come up and work with us on uh, our process. And so that is done when there's an internal threat, something comes to us that, you know, it's not immediate. I mean, it could be, it could be combined with something immediate, maybe go to lockdown until you handle it. But um, we've heard a student has made a threat to do harm to somebody um, however, that comes to us either direct verbal or social media. And we have a process that involves the team at the site level and the team at district office um, interviewing um, the student, peers, family, whoever it may, teachers, um, other staff, kind of get a, a comprehensive picture of the student and decide what next steps to take um, with that. And so we've implemented that several times. I'd say most often it, it results in actually a student just needing help of some kind. Maybe not an actual threat, but um, it might even be suicidal in, in some aspects. So um, I think that that's a key thing. That's for that internal piece. We do have a process for that. We also, along with that, a suicide threat assessment. Um, there is that. Uh, there's a little bit of overlap between that suicidal behavior and, and other behavior. And then, um, you know, I think a big thing is culture and climate of the building. We can talk about that more later, but. The internal piece, externally, we have gone to single point entry of all of our buildings, locked doors at our elementary schools. Um, the borough has put in key card uh, access at six of our buildings. We're asking that we get that. It, it took several, several years to get that done. We would like the rest of those done as soon as possible. There's a little supply chain issue with it. But um, and then we have the ALICE procedure, which is how we respond if there's an actual threat in our building. And so we do, um, every staff member is required to do the training each year. Um, we've had direct training with our law enforcement partners in the past and, and with our school leaders, but uh, ALICE stands for alert, lockdown, inform, counter, and evacuate. So it's a real change from the old days where, you know, they're still doing it, you read the paper, they still do this, but just sheltering in place and not moving. Ours is more active and, uh, being aware of the situation, you know, you're alerted, it's direct language. Um, we will lock down, continue to inform what's happening. 
you know, and then you have the counter, which is the last resort, but um, also evacuating depending on where you are in the building. So um, we do that once a quarter, that drill. And, um, and then we just had a meeting in November uh, with our law enforcement partners to come up and um, Lieutenant Browning joined us in the admin meeting. We had uh, troopers, Alaska troopers, Kenai police, and Soldatna as well. And um, we got to meet those folks, make sure our principals have that contact, invite them to be part of those Alice drills and communicate with us. And just know that our law enforcement partners, you know, they're gonna bring up things as educators we don't think about often and, um, and make us think about how we do our work and what else we can do. So I don't know if that, um, I, I hit a lot there in a short amount of time, Hope, but um, I hope you have any questions. Yeah, I was actually just wondering, was this particular student um, put through kind of that assessment, that behavioral assessment that you talked about towards the beginning? Yeah, thank you. Well, I can't talk about individual students at all. Um, this, I'd be correct, this student was not actually enrolled as a student, a former student okay. at that point. And so this student, uh, this person, has you know went directly law enforcement and, and they handled it right away all right thank you mm -hmm. i would like to add a little more on the alice drill i think it's a it's important it's kind of like fire drills i mean nobody's died in a school fire since 1958 because everybody knows what to do and part of why we do these alice drills is you need to know what to do you know if something happens that's why we go over lots of different scenarios with the students as part of these alice drills and you know sometimes it's a class discussion what you do and sometimes we actually have them act it out like you know escape but the whole point is is whatever the situation is give them the information and then they do whatever they need to do in order to survive that situation or the, or the best choice, whether that's to evacuate, to counter, uh, to lockdown, barricade. I mean, you know, I know they say the word lockdown, it's not the old school lockdown. It's, you know, if you lock down, you make sure they can't get, uh, they can't get in. You, you actually barricade the, the doors. Um, and, you know, like uh, Clayton said, we do these, uh, you know, four times a year. And uh, we also do that, you know, we make sure that they're active too. So you know, it's one thing, it's good to talk about it, but again, the drill, why, is, why do they work so well? Because you do it and they automatically know what to do. Because if, if you're in this situation, you've never been in it before, you don't know what to do, sometimes you'll just, you know, not do anything mm -hmm. or you might make the wrong choice so um, you know we don't like to have to go over these things because you hope that you never have to deal with it but if you do we want to make sure that everybody uh, knows ahead of time what they can mm -hmm. do and what, what's appropriate so and the biggest thing is just get to safety whatever that safety is get there and then we'll we'll figure things out after that mm -hmm. so. and you've talked about these Alice drills or Alice training. How long have these drills been taking place? You mentioned fire drills, um, mm -hmm. but have in, in recent years, have there been more things like active shooter training that maybe didn't exist in schools 10 years ago? Oh yeah, and that's what this, these Alice drills are. We've we've had the, the police come in and do them uh, with us in the past couple of years. I believe it's five, six years since we've been doing that. I don't know, Clayton might have a better idea of that, but we, we've been doing them for, for quite a while. All our staff has been trained. Um, all administration has been trained, uh, you know, intimately. We've had two-day trainings. We've worked with the actual people who've created Alice so that we have the training staff have, and then we bring it down to the students. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then just in terms of 
I guess, parental involvement. Do parents have a workbook or information on these trainings? Are they allowed to participate? I know that a lot of parents are really concerned about mm -hmm. these things happening. You know, I don't know what's gone on the district level, but we send stuff out on Alice okay. each year. Um, in past years, we haven't this year, we've only had one Alice drill. We let uh, parents know that the Alice drills are coming, uh, especially if we're going to be doing an active one. Uh, but uh, we've sent uh, the Alice information out in one of our first newsletters of the year. So, but as far as individual information and how they could get training, I, I don't think we've done parent trainings okay. yet. Yeah, no, this, this is Clayton. Yeah, we, you know, we, we notify parents through the newsletter what Alice is and when we're doing a drill, sort of general awareness of, of what that looks like. And um, but not we've not offered you know, that drill available for our for our parents or you know community members and some of what we do we actually don't want to we don't want to share too much which is kind of a mm -hmm. I hate saying that because we're so transparent of it and we do but we also don't want people who shouldn't know what we do to know intimately what we do so uh, mm -hmm. there's that aspect of it but it, it is in depth right I, like Doug said it's not we're locked down it's not we're just locking the door we're you know we're barricading it we're taking all those things it's very active and i look at it when i had that first training it's really even that situational awareness that we all need to have i'm sure law enforcement have it every day with with the work they do but you know when i go to a restaurant i'm looking at my exits i'm looking at things just checking it right and, uh, and making sure i know what i might do and, and, and having that active approach instead of a passive approach I think that's a key difference is we're not being passive. We're not using code words anymore. That's not a thing that we do. We're, we're being direct. And back in the old days, it was, you know, you might have a, a code word at the school level, um, which people may or may not remember what it was or, or done on them. We're being very direct. And um, so I think it's a key thing. I, I think one thing I want to say too is after anything like this happens, you know, we do a debrief. So we did a debrief after the former one with our staff, with our, our principals. We talk about them at admin meetings and we have something just to, you know, okay, what could we have improved upon from our end at district office, from their end, what did they think about? And um, and then we share that with other people, with the rest of our staff too, trying to make sure our principals, okay, here's a lesson learned, here's what went well, here's something I should have done. Um, so all of that. And um, you've kind of distinguished between I mean, if there's an active situation in a school, how you, you how you would react and potentially barricading doors and things like that, in a soft lockdown like we had in October, are, it sounds like there's people placed outside of doors, people are on radios. Are the kids aware of what's happening in a situation like that? That would depend. Okay. That would depend. If, again, you know, is there an actual threat? You know, if something's, you know, again, like I know there's been actual lockdowns, like uh, there's armed robberies near a school. A school would, that'd be a hard lockdown. Um, but things like this, you know, is there an actual threat? There's police going there. I mean, we don't know that there's actually anything going on. But again, we're just going to be overly cautious, okay, and make sure that we're going to be on watch. And then if we see anything anywhere, you know, you know, we lock down, let the other schools know, and they all lock down. Um, so th to me, a soft lockdown is maybe there's a threat, maybe there's not, but we're going to be 
we're going to be super cautious and, and, and uh, just be on high alert. It's kind of a high alert, making sure, again, nobody comes in the building who we don't know, um, that type of thing. And then be ready to go into the higher level of alert if needed. Okay. Well, I think we're going to take a brief break before coming back um, for a recap. This is Coffee Table. I'm your host, Hope McKenney, and we're talking school safety this morning. If you have any questions, you can call me at 907-235-7721 or email me at hope at kbbi.org. We're going to take a brief break and then come back. Stay tuned.
to KBBI AM 890 and K201AO 88.1 FM in Seward. This is Coffee Table and I'm your host Hope McKenney. I'm here this morning to discuss school safety with Police Chief Mark Robel and Lieutenant Ryan Browning from the Homer Police Department as well as Kenai Peninsula Borough School District Superintendent Clayton Holland and Homer High Principal Doug Waslowski. If you have questions feel free to call in at 907-235-7721 or email me at hope at kvbi.org. So we kind of concluded the last part of the show talking about training in schools. Um, what does the training entail for staff and faculty? Um, I know, Clayton, you mentioned keeping some things private. Um, why is that? And can you go into more detail about what training actually looks like? Yeah, I, I can I can do that. And I, I think with details like, you know, our rally points and things like that, we're not going to disclose that to the public. But um, our training, so right now, every, every employee at the start of the year takes an online Alice training. And so we've done the in-person, we had our principals trained uh, to become trainers five, six years ago. And then we are actually looking at bringing those trainers up again, given some of the turnover we have. But annually there's the Alice training, um, goes over scenarios. Then at the school level, they also go through that. So um, we've asked, we've upped the number of uh, drills we do this year. And one of those will be a, we call it a table talk. It's going through it and talking about it. What would this look like in this scenario? What would we what would we do here? So taking what we learned on that online training, then talking about it, and then we all the other drills are going through actual scenarios um, you know, with with students as well. And we and it's age appropriate. I want you to know that too. Anybody listening, you know, for elementary level, we actually have some books uh, from Alice that that are age appropriate about how to handle things. Um, they use ants as the, the example. And as the kids get older, it changes to, to um, you know, more more real. Um, we, have, keep it, we don't want to traumatize these students through our drills, mm -hmm. but uh, we do go through them and, and make them think too and understand you know, what it might be like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then on the school level, I mean, we've had uh, we've had the local police department come in, and they've trained uh, our staff, um, you know, going through the different scenarios, and and then with our staff too. I mean, we've done everything. You're in a room, okay? Here's a scenario: somebody outside with a with a weapon. We actually do the uh, barricade, you know, put the the desk and tables up against the door, you know, you find ways of belts in order to keep them from being able to open the door. I mean, the big issue is, is that they're usually in a hurry. And, uh, you know, if you can delay them long enough, they'll go on and find, try to find easier targets. Uh, but the other thing is, is just making sure they don't get in that room. Mm -hmm. um, so we actually do it. Uh, we've actually done things like, uh, you know, actually counter with, you know, little fluffy balls. You know, what, what, what's that look like and why does it work? Um, so we actually do those things, everything from evacuating, how and where, what you do if you're in a second story building, uh, what's safe, how to make those determinations. I mean, we, we 
go through all of it. Now, obviously, we have some new staff, and we need to uh, get those new staff also. But uh, you know, like he says, we have plans in in process for doing that for new staff. Mm -hmm. um, but it's pretty it's pretty in, intensive training. Yeah, and I guess during those trainings, I mean, what is the reaction or sentiment among people being trained in this, both? staff and students. I mean, this is a really scary real life scenario these days. Yep. And I think it's just uh, being pragmatic about it. It's like, look, you know, we hope this never happens and we're going to do everything that we can happen. And you know, Clayton talked about the whole system working in, in, in this case. Um, but if it does happen, what, what do we do? You don't want to be sitting there saying, what do I do? If you're sitting there saying, what do you do? And there's somebody, an armed intruder coming in, you might be a casualty. And unfortunately, that's the the uh, world that we live in right now. Now we don't like Clayton said we don't want to traumatize people, but we also want to be pragmatic and say, okay, it's the same thing with a school fire. You don't want to have a school fire that can be traumatizing. But what do you do so you get out safely? And we have a question here. I mean, what are signs students and parents should be aware of to recognize if a situation is dangerous or needs to be reported? And this might be a law enforcement question or something for the district. Um, I'll take this. I think some things to look for, obviously, are, you know, students sees a weapon, you know, a gun, a knife, things that are prohibited. Um, also, any, any threats, you know, whether they're direct or via social media, um, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a direct threat. Um, but if you see somebody who's starting to... Uh, kind of go down that road of, of talking about um, school shootings or harming people in that kind of arena or something like that, then that's certainly something that somebody should say something. Uh, and even if, uh, you know, somebody has their spidey senses going off that, that something's not right or, you know, my friend's acting different or, um, you know, things just don't seem quite right, um, you know, tell somebody, tell a teacher, tell a friend, tell a parent, tell the cops. Um, but don't just hold on to that information, especially, you know, when it just doesn't quite feel right uh, and somebody starts acting uh, not how they normally would, um, you know, just say something to somebody. And we know there's a real reluctance on, on kids especially to uh, to start talking about what they're seeing the other kids do and, and you know the whole syndrome of ratting on your buddy um they want to avoid that so it's hard for kids to come forward with with this type of information and and that's something we all have to remember and we have to keep encouraging them uh to be open and 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 report these things to us that that seem to be out of sync to seem to be out of normal and and that are threatening so that's something we always try to reinforce when we do alice training and I'd, I'd say the same thing. You know, it's a, it's a cultural thing, too. It's like if you see something, say something. And I know there was a question like, well, what what is it that I should report? Like they said, if you see, feel, see something that looks feels a little weird or a little bit off, report it. You know, the worst that could happen is we investigate it and there's no issue. Um, but, you know, you have to come forward. And that's the whole community thing. I mean, it's not just the school. This is a whole it's a whole community wide thing, you know. We can't see everything that's on social media, but if you see something, say something. Mm -hmm. And and the worst that's going to happen is we're going to investigate it and see if there's an issue or not. 
Uh, and I'd rather have that than, than have to deal with, mm -hmm. with uh, tragedy. Yeah, I, I agree with everything that was just said. And <clears throat> for kids to recognize that difference between snitching or whatever that tattling or, and, and helping. Or you're helping your friend when they're doing this, right? You're helping your other friends. So letting uh, law enforcement or school uh, teacher, you know, a staff member, principal know about something on social media or something that's been said is key. And we've had several, you know, over the years, even a couple of the beginning of this year up on this side where there's a social media piece and, and students came forward and said, hey, I saw this and I'm concerned and we're able to deal with that. So mm -hmm. talking to your child, your parents about that, about, you know, if they see something, uh, reporting it or letting them know as a parent so they can tell that's really important. And I think even just knowing what your own child is doing on, on social media and having those conversations is, is a, is a big thing. Cause we don't, we don't take these as jokes anymore, right? This is not a, I, I can't tell you a number of times I've heard that. Well, it was a joke. It was like, well, it, to us, it's not into the community, school community, law enforcement, it's not a joke. So just making sure they're aware of that, that mm -hmm. um, it's a serious thing. And, and also to, to let us know, if, you know, that they are uncomfortable. Yeah. Are there services available within the school for students to maybe report on themselves? So to report on themselves, like how they're feeling internally? Yeah, or yeah. Counselors, um, how they're doing, uh, if they might be feeling like they will uh, react or act out in some way. Yeah, we, we do. We have... Um, we do have counselors and we also have other staff members. And a lot of times it's that trusted teacher that they're telling something to, or a peer is telling a teacher or a principal or a counselor. Mm -hmm. um, so we have a process. We do have that, I mentioned earlier, a suicide risk assessment process. And part of that is, um, you know, kind of rating where they are, high, medium or low, but um, regardless, uh, giving resources to parents of where they can see extra help, some things we could do at school, checking in with somebody on a regular basis, and the same with our behavior through assessment process that, um, you know, ultimately ends with a plan. So even if it's not a law enforcement scenario, you know, there's a plan. You create a plan at the school level for that student and have a regular check-ins or uh, whatever it may be. But there are supports, and then we typically refer it on then to, or give them the resources to seek extra help. And are faculty made aware of any students that are struggling with mental health stability? Yeah, I'm gonna let Doug start with that one. If, if we feel that they're a threat, yes. And, and we also, uh, we get uh, warnings from the um, court system too, if kids have gone through the court system and, and had things. And so then we relay that to staff uh, if it's appropriate. Um, now, if a child just, yeah, actually, I'm trying to think if there's a, a place where we wouldn't. Um, you know, most of the time, if a kid's struggling, we work with the parents and we're like, hey, can we get this out to uh, the teachers? And I don't think we've ever had any parent not say no to that. And then we get it out to all their teachers so that they can keep an eye out and see if they're struggling too. Um, you know, one of the things with these people, usually the, the ones who put these threats out, uh, 
they start to get angry for some reason and they start withdrawing from other people. So it, it's kind of hard for them to come to us because, you know, in, in this case, it wasn't even in school. Um, so a lot of times it'll be a, a caring friend who's like, hey, my, my friend's struggling. And we get those reports all the time. Uh, matter of fact, a lot of our suicide uh, assessments that we do is from a friend who's worried about a friend saying, hey, they, they're talking about suicide. So, and then we can get them help. And the whole point, even like with the behavior threat assessment is to get the kids help, mm -hmm. you know, because obviously they're not a threat all the time. Um, you know, there's usually some event that, it, that has, has pushed them there. So can we get them the mental health that they need? Can we get them the support at school? When they're at school, that part of that plan is, are they safe? Mm -hmm. You know, so do we, need to, do we need to search their bags every day before they come to school? And that type of thing. But uh, I got a little off track from your question there, but. No worries. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And, and just to recap, we're discussing school safety this morning on coffee table with representatives from the Homer Police Department and the school district. If you have questions, call me at 907-235 at 7721 or email me at hope at Um you know, there are a number of examples of threats like we saw in October in recent years. Just about a year ago, schools across the country canceled classes after a viral unconfirmed threat of violence spread across the U.S. via TikTok. We also see trends and challenges spreading across, across social media at a rapid pace, challenging kids to do everything from steal to slap their teachers. Um, I'm curious, like, how law enforcement filters through real threats versus non-real threats. Um, could you, Ryan, or Chief Robel, could one of you talk about that a little bit? You know, it's just a, a process of investigation um, and getting down to the root of what's going on there. Uh, each case is a little bit different. Um, sometimes you have to approach each one from a, a little different angle to get to the truth of the matter but we uh, we certainly take each one seriously and uh, and try to root out what's really going on and determine if it's a credible threat or not oh it looks like we have let's finish up actually with this question and then we have a caller on one of our lines um lieutenant brownie do you have anything else to add or someone from the school district I don't know. I think Chief nailed it. Uh, we take everyone seriously and we look at it and see where it goes. Yep. Same thing at the school level. We get a we get a report. We investigate it. Yeah. And I would say, you know, regardless if there's a, a lot of times the police will have to work with say, well, they didn't commit a crime or they didn't do anything that we can take action on. We'll still go through our BTA process with a you know student because we may have a plan we need to put in place at the school level. Um, regardless of the students arrested or, or not. So all of them are taken serious, um, for sure. All right, um, Kristen, uh, do I have you on the line? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Oh, okay. Uh, I was wondering about the involvement of the parents, like uh, during a lockdown, if you know who the child is, oh, how are the parents brought into it? Uh, if an arrest has to be made, what is the, uh, uh, I guess, the responsibility of the parents when all this is going on? And how much community outreach, like at parent-teacher meetings and school board meetings, and just calling parents uh, of the children together and discussing uh, possible uh, 
points of where they can watch their children, how their children might be acting. Is there a possibility that my child might be involved in, in rhetoric or online activity that might encourage an actual school shooting? So if, I'm, if I get that question right, you know, it's the parent of the, the aggressor, uh, if they're part of that. So I can say when we do the behavior threat assessment, the parent's uh, absolutely involved in that right from the get-go. If you'd like to make a call. So um, part of that is it, you know, we interview parents, friends, the, the student, and uh, the parents are part of that right from the beginning if we think if, if we think there's a need for a, a behavior threat assessment the parents involved right away uh, now something like this where it's kind of kind of surprised us that this was posted then that that would be uh, the parent and the, and the police um, in, in that case and you could ask uh, mm -hmm. mr. Robel or mr. Browning uh, yeah. how they deal with that would one of you like to take that on, Lieutenant Browning or Chief Robel? I, I didn't quite uh, quite hear it. I'm sorry. Could you repeat? Um, how I guess the police is involved um, with with a parent of a kid who might be making a threat against the school. Um, I'm hoping I got that question right. Sure. Well, we're certainly going to try to get the the parents involved as soon as we have a you know, a good idea of what's going on. Um, it's, it's always our policy to get a parent involved as, with, with any juvenile situation as soon as possible, um, especially if an arrest has to be made. Uh, we, we do our best to contact the parents. Sometimes we, we can't get a hold of them immediately, and uh, most times we'll uh, actually hold off on uh, uh, questioning or actions until a parent can be involved. Okay, and we have some questions here um, from listeners about safeguards for cyberbullying, internet safety, other threats to schools. Is there follow-up in the district IT administration? Um, and are there penalties for students that participate in cyberbullying? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in on this one. So there, <clears throat> there's a couple of different factors when it comes to IT. So when we do have a threat, we automatically go through a student's um, internet history that we have, you know, we can't control. If they're not on our system, then we we can't search their their use. If they're using our uh, Wi-Fi, then we can. And, and there's agreement that everyone signs regarding internet use and, and proper use of of the internet. Um, if there's an overlap with the school offsite, so it's the students at home or somewhere else, and they're bullying or they're doing something. And there's an impact at school. We we do have the ability to then intervene on that and and take action. So sometimes we'll get parents saying this is our own, you know, their own time. You can't do that. But if there's an overlap that causes significant disruption at the school site, um, we do have the ability to to take action. So a lot of that would fall under you know bullying, harassment. Um, I think going back to the other other caller, if somebody's contributing to the, the rhetoric that's out there. Um, it could be, it could fall into one of those categories that we could, could take action and have school-based discussion, um, either directly with a student or a group of students. We typically don't, uh, once again, going back to that question, we're not going to announce the, the public. You, we, students' rights are protected under FERPA, so we can't say, you know, here's Johnny Smith and he is, has done this. We'll work with everybody directly involved 
um, with a scenario. Mm -hmm. And the other thing we do too, if there's things that are outside of our purview where they're bullying outside of school, we do call, at least at home or high, we call those parents and let them know what's going on. I mean, yeah. we can't necessarily punish them, but we let the parents know so that they can take care of it. You know, we don't just mm -hmm. wipe our hands clean of it and say we don't have jurisdiction, therefore we're not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. So we do follow up. Okay. And, Doug, you talked a little bit during our break just about kind of reporting things that are seen from social media. Um, can you elaborate a little bit about your role as the school district um, in monitoring what might be happening online, especially when you have so many students? Yeah, like I was saying before, and I think Clayton mentioned this too, is that you know there's a whole system here when it comes to safety. It's uh, it's not just the schools, it's not just the principal, it's not, it, it's everybody. It's it's the police, it's our community members. Uh, we have a great community here in Homer, and I get uh, tips from the community all the time saying, hey, so and so, this happened, uh, you need to know about it, and then you know we investigate it, and a lot of times it it, it actually happens and, it, and it's helpful. It's the same thing here. Uh, you know, there's no way possible that we could monitor everybody's social media, if, you know, because we're not, <laughs> a lot of times we're locked out. Uh, so, but if, if they do see something, I mean, it's, it's everybody's responsibility. You see somebody acting weird, you see somebody who's, you know, being overly aggressive, you see somebody who's, you know, carrying weapons, those type of things. I mean, before it even gets close to school, it can be taken care of. And so I'm really happy that, you know, the system worked in this case. You know, they got a tip from somebody, the FBI was on it, they communicated with police, the police communicated with us. We took the actions to make sure uh, everything was safe in case something did happen. Uh, I think that's a, you know, that's the culture. And I'm really thankful that we live in, in this area where we have such caring community. Mm -hmm. So. And, you know, I think Clayton, you might have mentioned having a debrief after the October threat was made. I mean, is there a plan in place for dealing with the aftermath of an incident, trauma counselors, therapists, therapists group events, that kind of thing? That's a great question. I think that would, so depending on the severity of, of what yeah. happened, the impact, you know, we either don't do anything because there's really no impact at the site level or there's a significant event. And we have school counselors, school psychologists who um, we can assemble and and bring down to help. And so we've done this in a number of other scenarios, say a you know, staff members passed away or a traumatic event's happened with a, an accident of some kind that um, it's going to be, you know, very hard on our staff and students. Um, we'll have a team come in and, and be there to support. And so um, that's part of our, one of our process that we have. And um, yeah, we, we do. Yep. We have a, we have a plan for uh, anything like that. Uh, everything from pre-written letters to staff and students, parents, uh, people who will come in, who will we call, for example, because we have had some, some you know, deaths in, in the, uh, the community. Uh, and we'll have, you know, that morning we'll have three or four counselors from all over come in and help mm -hmm. out. But that's already uh, prearranged and ready to go. We just have to make the phone calls. Um, you know, w would we ever be ready for an incident like this? Pro probably not. But we do have pl things in place um, to try to manage it. Okay, and we are coming um, to the last five minutes of our program. Um, 
before I get to kind of conclusions, I'm just wondering, I mean, are there solutions to this problem, especially as we're seeing so many of these threats come up through social media? Um, I mean, is there a solution or is this just kind of the reality our young people and schools face now? It's a big question. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure who wants to start. I guess I'll jump in on that. Um, man, I mean, it is a societal thing, right? We're seeing that across the whole country with this type of behavior. I would you know, I think it goes back strong family family bond. That's key, right? You're you're aware of your child. You're connected with your child. They have they have people who are connected with them. You know, we're part of that. I feel very good about. You know, the staff we have in place, the principals, the people who can reach out and, and make those connections. You know, we talk about that a lot. We, we monitor our school climate and uh, connectedness. We have goals related to that at site level. But we're part of that, right? The family needs to be the big, that is the big part. Are you in tune with your child? We're going to be our best to be in tune with your child. And, um, and having that awareness and connection with them. And I think that's a big breakdown in society. And... Um, you know, not every kid's gonna be able to have that. We know that, and so other people, you know, in our communities need to step up and, and try to be that for them as well. And um, and then communicate. You know, if there's concern, please communicate it to the school, to the law enforcement, and, um, and so we can can work with that situation. Mm -hmm. It's. it's I'm not saying it, it, it's not an easy thing, but supportive, caring adults is is uh, is the key. Um, and at Homer High, we talk about uh, five anchor adults. So, that, uh, are there five adults who are going to be looking after and and uh, talking to and caring about this child? And we make sure that and if they don't, we also teach students how to get those five anchor caring adults. Um, and one of the things we're going to start up again is our uh, for our seniors when they go off to college, how they can, because they're losing their support system, how they can develop those five caring adults, mm -hmm. um, which is which is uh, very important. You know, and it sounds really simple. It's not, but um, that's what we work towards. All right. Well, we just have two minutes remaining. Um, do you have any conclusions? Uh, Lieutenant Browning or Chief Roble from the police department. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to add? You know, I think the only thing I can add from the police department's perspective is um, Columbine was a big wake up call to law enforcement and, and to schools on a nationwide basis. Um, I reviewed Columbine after action reports for many days and it, it was clear to me that we were not uh, prepared tactically, educationally, or, or with proper equipment to respond to a Columbine type situation. That's changed a lot in law enforcement. We've uh, fine-tuned our responses. Um, I think uh, the Homer Police Department anyway is, is well prepared to respond to a horrible situation uh, in a school as any other agency our size in the United States. Uh, we're very bullish on training. We've got a, a great uh, great round of equipment for our officers. We've got Alice instructors on staff. Uh, we train uh, throughout the year constantly, and we upgrade our training and refine our techniques as, as uh, time moves on. 
Um, we just did a complete uh, department review after action uh, reports of the, the school shooting in Mexico, uh, New Mexico rather, and uh, we're just, we're gonna keep this at the forefront of our training activities uh, as, as long as the, the need continues. And I just wish it would go away, but it doesn't, you know, this is something we're stuck with having to figure out how to deal with. Um, I would just like to reassure the community that if it does happen here, we're ready to go and, and we'll do our best to contain it as quickly as possible. Um, and we certainly are bullish on prevention. Uh, we're gonna work closely with the school district to, to investigate any threat that comes along and uh, everything's gonna be taken seriously until, until proven otherwise. All right, well, that concludes our time. Um, sorry, we don't have time for any remaining thoughts. That concludes Coffee Table. Stay tuned for Line One Health Connection coming up next. Thanks for joining me.